Good morning. My name is Lisa. Our scripture passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 23, verses 1 through 11. Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be opened as we read this passage. Paul stared at the council and said, Brothers, I have lived my life with an altogether clear conscience right up to this very day. The high priest Ananias ordered those standing beside Paul to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is about to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit and judge me according to the law, yet disobey the law by ordering that I be struck. Those standing near him asked, You dare to insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I wasn't aware that he was the high priest. It is written, You will not speak evil about a ruler of your people. Knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul exclaimed in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee and a descendant of Pharisees. I am on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. These words aroused a dispute between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. This is because Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, angel, or spirit, but Pharisees affirm them all. Council members were shouting loudly. Some Pharisees who were legal experts stood up and insisted forcefully, we find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so heated that the commander feared they might tear Paul to pieces. He ordered soldiers to go down and remove him by force from their midst. Then they took him back to the military headquarters. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, be encouraged. Just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so too you must testify in Rome. Thank you for reading the scripture passage uh, for today. And again, that was from Acts chapter 23, verses 1 through 11. And that was the Common English Bible Version. We uh, continue in the series in Acts, the Spirit-infused multi-ethnic church. And this is a loving scripture series uh, brought to you by Renew. Uh, we are headed down the home stretch in Acts here in chapter 23. And last week, uh, where you remember uh, previously in Acts, Paul saves himself from a flogging uh, by Roman soldiers um, by stating that he was a Roman citizen, which surprises the commander in charge, the Roman commander in charge, um, who was about to torture Paul and stops him in his tracks. Um, now, as we head into chapter 23, this Roman commander still wants to get to the bottom of things. Therefore, the next day, um, this is 22 verse 30, he ordered the chief priests and the entire Jerusalem council to assemble. Then he took Paul out of the prison and had him stand before him. You know, these days, this summer, during the pandemic, uh, in the United States, there has been a lot uh, of political animosity. There's been a lot of division, differing tribes, um, depending on where you stand, the left, the right. Uh, you stand for this president or that president. Um, you think this about the coronavirus. You think this about the vaccine. Or you think that. You think this about mask wearing or that about mask wearing. Um, and um, there's so much um, going on that has divided us. There's so much 
um, different perspective, differing perspectives on what's true. And sometimes um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to even want to stay on social media or it's hard to have an honest, respectful <laughs> dialogue with someone standing on the opposite side of an issue uh, without getting frustrated or even without getting angry or it turning into name calling and shouting. Um, and I, I see this playing out in Acts actually, because it, it's not just a characteristic of this year or a characteristic of being in the United States right now, our current context, but I think it's a characteristic of humanity, of being, of living together in society, of being in community with one another, that politics and partisanship and divisiveness and differing of opinions have always been things that separate us. Culture separates us. Race separates us, right? This belief in scripture separates us. And back in these days, um, this, they weren't immune from this. In fact, here in chapter 23, Paul plays upon a deep political and religious divide among uh, the religious leaders of the council. And this is between that of the Pharisees and the scribes who are here now discussing the fate of Paul, now uh, arguing why Paul has been arrested, why Paul is in the wrong, and trying to explain uh, to this Roman commander who's now invited them into his home to kind of, you know, flesh this out, flesh this problem out, wanting to get at the truth, as verse 22 verse 30 says. The truth of the matter. What is wrong with Paul? What has Paul done wrong? Why are all these people so angry, wanting to get at the truth? And what we see here, as we may know, as we've witnessed many times, is the truth gets lost in favor of the political agenda. And just as Paul used his Jewishness and his ability to speak in Aramaic to cater to or to, uh, to uh, plead with the Jewish mob and reach them to a certain extent until he talked about God wanting to reach the Gentiles as well uh, before they got <laughs> incensed again. And also Paul playing on the fact that he was a Roman citizen um, to save himself from being flogged, Paul is very shrewd and uses whatever devices uh, are at his disposal, whatever tools, whatever parts of his identity or the communities he belonged to, or whatever privilege he has as a Roman citizen to save himself from torture. Here again, in the midst of the religious council, um, and the high priest Ananias, he's able to play on, it says in verse 6, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul exclaimed in the council, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee and a descendant of Pharisees. I am on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. And notice, he doesn't bring out the specifics like, I'm on trial because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. 
He just focuses on what what would draw kind of what a, what would a, add a fire to the conflict already going on between the scribes and the Pharisees, because the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead, whereas the scribes outside of Jesus, like take Jesus out of the equation. Pharisees believe in the resurrection of the dead. Scribes don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So Paul conveniently says, I'm on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Side note, my hope in the resurrection of Jesus that started off the resurrection of the dead, right? Conveniently leaves that out and talks about his hope in the resurrection of the dead, verse 7, these words arouse the dispute, right? The scribes are like, we're going we're gonna to bring up, we're going to invoke a filibuster, right? We're going to vote no on this because we believe this about the resurrection. The Pharisees standing on the complete other side, no, we're going to stand with Paul because Paul, you know, used to be a Pharisee. And Paul politically, theologically leans on what we believe in. And so the original anger, right, their anger at Paul, the original kind of discussion um, gets left behind. The truth, if you will, about Paul, that agenda gets set aside because what Paul arouses in them is he reminds them of their political dispute, right? The truth gets set aside and what comes to the forefront is what divides them about what they believe about the resurrection, which is really a side point. And so once again, Paul is being wise and shrewd, right? He deflects kind of the accusations against him and puts the conflict, like points out and arouses the conflict that's already going on. And wherever you stand, I mean, just talking about the American political situation, right? We all know we have a partisan right, government, Republican and Democrat. And wherever you stand on that, my, my point here is not to argue that, but don't you get tired of sometimes um, the, the issues getting muddled uh, because of political, like where people are politically. And so we can't, people can't even work together because uh, they're on separate sides of the aisle, right? We can't vote on something that's good, a bill. A bill can't even be passed. Right? If one, if the majority leader or the minority leader of a party says, no, we're all going to vote this way, we're not going to vote for this, even if the bill was created by people on both sides, eh, it won't get passed just because one side's leader says, we're all going to vote this way. And if anyone goes against this vote or says something different, they're shunned by their own party. So how can anything be worked out, right? How can anyone, how can any bipartisan, like, good thing happen? And sometimes watching the news and hearing about what happens on Capitol Hill, I get so frustrated, don't you? Like, what can be done, right? 
decided we can't even make a decision on something that might be helpful for the American people, on a bill or a law that might just help people because we need to, we need to stay on our side. We can't agree with the other side ever. We can't give in. We can't compromise. And this is what Paul is playing on human nature, right? The partisanship between the Pharisees and the scribes. They're so hot when it comes to the resurrection, right? The Pharisees are willing to like side with Paul because one, he's a Pharisee and two, Right? That one point about hope in the resurrection of the dead is, is like the sticking point for them. So they can be allied with Paul and say, see, he's with us. We hate you even more than what we hated Paul for. And the scribes are like, no, 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 no. How shrewd this is of Paul. You know, just reading 22 and 23 here, that, that point of, you know, yes, Paul is to suffer. Yes, Paul is to be persecuted in Jerusalem and on in Rome. And he's not going to be able to avoid ultimate persecution and suffering. But he doesn't jump, just jump into it and receive it like, uh, like, a, like a reed blowing in the wind passively. In fact, he avoids it. One, by stating he's a Roman citizen. Two, here by shifting the focus of the argument, right? Verse seven again, these words arouse a dispute between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. This is because Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, angel or spirit, but Pharisees affirm them all. <laughs> Council members were shouting loudly, some Pharisees who were legal experts stood up and insisted forcefully, we find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to me? The dispute became so heated that the commander feared that they may tear Paul to pieces. He ordered soldiers to go down and renew, renew him by force from the midst. Then they took him back to the military headquarters. Does this sound familiar at all? These people just a day earlier were saying, kill Paul, they were beating Paul, they were, they were, they were uh, exciting a mob and wanting Paul to be killed and executed, right? They were saying, this, this man Paul is culpable. He is what is undermining Right? Our religion, our culture, our society. Get rid of Paul. These same people that were saying this the day before are now saying, what? We find nothing wrong with Paul. Right? The day before, they're like, he's an insurrectionist. He's a rebel. He should be punished. He should be killed. We find nothing wrong with him at all the next day. So what drives and motivates them? Is it the truth? They're, they're, what, they does, what they feel convicted about? What they believe is the truth? Or 
far as what is motivating them and driving them is their politics or their agenda or their tribe. Does that make sense? And that's a good sign, a good warning. If one day someone is right, a pariah and the next day the same group is raising them up as a hero, then the truth is not what's being sought. And what I see is about human nature or community is when the heat is turned up, the true colors, true colors rear its ugly head. Case in point, we've all gone through a pandemic. We've all been uh, in, you know, many of us have gone through hard times. Many of us are in financial struggles. Many of us have been sick or have had family members who have been sick. Many of us know people who have gotten COVID. Many of us know people who have actually died. Many of us have been separated from our mothers, fathers, and grandfathers, uh, the older people in our families because of quarantine, because we want to protect them. We want to protect their children. Our children haven't been able to go to school or play with their friends as much. That's starting to open up more, but many, 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 many children have suffered deep psychological wounds, right? Because um, of a break in natural, healthy, social connection and relationships with their peers. The lack of being able to play outside together with other children, right? And then the amount of screen time in school and just screen time. And a lot of children have suffered because there hasn't been school and they've been stuck at home with an abuser or you know, a parent or a family member um, who's mistreating them, where if they were in school, they would avoid those people, right? So it's been hard on everyone. And we've seen our country go up in flames, literally, because when hard times happen, when the heat is turned up, when we're in the crucible, true colors come out. We begin to see the ugly head, the monster of oppressive systems or unjust systems, systemic racism, systemic oppression, right? Even in us personally, when we're stressed or when we're fearful or anxious about the future, right? Weird things start coming up, right? I start, I start, yelling at my children or my wife more than I would. And I see like ugly parts of me coming up because why? Because I'm up, we're on tilt. When we're on tilt, like some of the junk inside us start to come out because we're afraid. We're fearful or we feel out of control. And what, when we feel those things, when we feel insecure, right? The ugly stuff, anger or, or control Whatever, jealousy, envy, fear, all of those things start to come out, seep out a little more. And people see like, ooh, that was a little like, Dave, I didn't know that about you. Right? That stuff starts to seep out. We start to see 
the things. This is not all negative. Like I like, you know, the staff and I talk all the time like, oh, stuff is coming up in us during this pandemic or during this, you know, not being able to meet in person as a church. Like, what does it mean? What is my role as a pastor? What is, it, what is the future going to hold? I don't know what's happening. But we also are encouraged because it's an opportunity for God to do work in our hearts and in the hearts of people in the church, like good discipleship and good spiritual transformation and growth can happen when we are self-aware and bring our struggles and all this stuff seeping out of us when we bring it to God and say, I don't know what this is, right? I feel messed up. I feel like my life is falling apart and all this anger or all this despair is coming out of me. Take this, God, and change me. There's a lot of opportunity in the midst of crisis. When we're in a crisis spot, bad things come up, well up, yes, but when we give those over to God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, can heal us and do a new work and renew us. That's our name, right? Renew church, we're renewed. So while there is suffering, while there's crisis, while there's hard things, there's also an opportunity to be renewed. And I think the call here, the call of Jesus is to step into discipleship in him, to step into the transformation he has for us, to step into renewal and healing. And this is real and good, and it's an opportunity be self-aware, be open, be vulnerable. But yeah, we have seen some of the ugliest parts of our society, you know, play itself out. We've seen the disparities between the rich and the poor. We've seen the brokenness of our healthcare system, how some people suffer more than others, or how uh, this, you know, the disparities in our economic system along racial and social class lines, right? Those who are frontline workers, right? Who are the frontline workers who, you know, who have had to open themselves up to COVID more? Who, what races or what people are getting COVID-19 at a higher rate than other ethnicities or other people? Like these are all revealing to us more and more some of our social ills, some of the systemic issues in our society. At the same time, yeah, and we've been made more aware of, you know, racial injustices, right? Like the uh, police brutality against black men. We've seen uh, protests and marches. We've seen um, white supremacist groups become more bold and expressive, right? Emboldened, right? Empowered. Um, at the same time, we've seen more churches, more people, uh, more mainstream desire to be more aware about racial injustices, right? More of my white friends, more of my white pastor friends are asking questions, 
are wanting to um, know more about race and um, and how what churches can do, what white people can do to advocate, to stand for justice, to be more aware. Those are all opportunities. Those are all positive things that are coming out of crisis. Right? So. I guess what I'm preaching here or saying here or encouraging here is when we are in crisis, there are two responses. The fight or flight, right? The survival, like fight or, or run away or actually to do what's unnatural intuitively, but to turn and embrace fully what's happening in the crisis moment and then to give our fears and our unknowing to God. I think it's interesting here that Paul is able to put his finger right on the ugly head of the politics between scribes and Pharisees, right? The division between the two. And he knows that if he presses that button, the right button, right, the conversation is going to turn to that, that div divisiveness and away from what was originally like. He turns the attention away from him to the point where the Pharisees are like, we are on Paul's side, right? He's innocent. Paul's really smart and shrewd once again here. But I really love verse 11 because I think it's an encouragement to us all. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Be encouraged, just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so too you must testify in Rome. We see these visions that Paul has had along the way when he's going through hard times or is in despair. Right? God saying, I'll be with you. And hear God saying, be encouraged, right? Your life has been threatened. <laughs> You've just gone through the last 24 hours. I admit, Paul, they've been really hard. You've been beaten. You've been dragged around in prison, dragged here and there. You almost, you know, the Roman guard here was so afraid you were going to be torn apart by the scribes and Pharisees. He took you to protect you. Like, it's been hard, Paul. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. We have a God that is much larger and much bigger than all of the evil in the world. That's much bigger than any crisis that you find yourself in the middle of. And when we're in crisis, and the temptation is to fight or to tear apart or to flee, run away, and avoid. God grabs your face and says, look at me. Stay with it. Stay on the path. Stay on the journey. Be encouraged. God doesn't say, I'm going to take the pain away or the suffering away. Right? Basically, he says, Everything you're saying and testifying about now in Jerusalem, everything that's going on with you now, 
Now it's going to happen in Rome too. <laughs> so, right? Great. But Paul's not going to avoid suffering. But God is with him. Be encouraged. Stay on the path. Stay engaged on the journey. Be alive. Don't go into your shell. Or don't tear everything apart. I am with you and be encouraged. That is the way of the church. That is how we stay in truth. We don't sell out the truth because we want to be comfortable or we're afraid of pain. Go and be encouraged just as God encouraged Paul. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, your encouragement to us. Thank you that you walk alongside us and that in you we have a hope of resurrection, a hope much larger than any uh, circumstance, any amount of suffering, any crisis that we're going through. We have a hope in you and victory, ultimate victory in you. So help us to stay the course and be encouraged. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen.